uh, we have a few things going on like Mother's Day and all that. So we've got a one-off uh, sermon here that's not really part of a series, but just something that was uh, sort of on my heart for community, on my heart for, uh, for the family, and just uh, something that maybe we've talked about before a little bit, but something we want to re-engage with and just to, just to keep us uh, continually healthy in this area. And that's around the area of, uh, of decision-making. Uh, as humans, we uh, have uh, all kinds of fun making decisions, and we see uh, ourselves wrestling with decisions, sometimes making bad decisions, uh, trying what to do. Sometimes it's a real binary thing. Should I go this way or that way? But we just have these wrestles trying to make the right call and do the thing that we're, we're wanting to do. And, and I'll just, we'll just show a little clip here just to uh, enjoy. Make sure we got audio up here. Oh, we haven't got audio flying. It's all the way up. Set off the bomb immediately, and we'll all be dead. Now. All right, here we go. You guys have probably all seen this, but it cracks me up. First, you flick this switch, then this switch. That activates it. Then you push this button, which will give you five minutes to get out of there. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button. Because that will set off the bomb immediately, and we'll all be dead. Now, repeat back what I just said. I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm good. That's right. I'm good. No! No, that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm good. No! That's exactly what you just said! How is that even possible? Which button is the button you're supposed to push? Point to it! No! Hey, you're making him nervous! Shut up and give me some tape! Does anybody have any tape out there? I want to put some tape over the death button. Nobody has any tape! Not a single person has tape! You have an atomic bomb in your bag! If anybody's gonna have tape, it's you! I have to do everything! You are wasting a lot of time! <laughs> That's a really bad sign. <laughs> right, and don't we feel like that sometimes? Sometimes uh, we are just prone to making the wrong decision again and again. And people that we care about, we watch them make the wrong decision. As a pastor, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an, a direct person. I'm kind of an advice person. Like, you should really, really do this. I think that would be a great choice for you. And then just watch somebody go... Whoo! Way, way over here, right? It's one of those, thank you so much for hearing and respecting my advice. I really appreciate that. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, that's just part of the deal sometimes. And uh, sometimes I don't have the greatest advice to give anyway, so that's the way it is. But we watch people wrestle with these decisions and choices all the time. And sometimes it's like that. It's an easy do this or do that that we're wrestling with God. Should I go to this school or should I go to this school? Or should I uh, take this job or should I take this job? It's, it, it's easy. Sometimes it's more complex. It's making a decision from among a number of different things. Like you remember uh, Indiana Jones uh, movie, uh, The uh, Last Crusade, I think it is, where they're uh, after the, uh, the Holy Grail, right? And they've gone through all the traps and they've uh, finally come into the room uh, to meet the guard. And the last defense of the grail is that there's a whole bunch of grails. Like there's a whole bunch of them. There's jeweled ones and wood ones and simple ones. And, and they're just all laid on the table. Like how do you choose the right one? Very often we're wrestling with one choice among many things. And what we really need in that moment is, is more than just like 
take a guess at it. We need wisdom, right? And I love this line at the end when they choose the right thing at the end of that, uh, that movie. It's like, you have chosen wisely. And we, we want to have that, right? We want to have that kind of wisdom and be wired that way. That's, that's who we want to be. Uh, for us, it can cause a lot of stress and a lot of consternation as we're trying to make decisions. Very often, we're in a place that's kind of like this uh, image on the screen where we're looking at all of the different possibilities. Uh, I, I'm also somebody, I, I'm, I don't wrestle for the most part with decision making. I can make decisions fairly quickly, but when I am stuck on something, for me it's just massive computation. It's my brain just goes into overdrive thinking, if I choose this, then this is a possible outcome, this is a possible outcome, this is a possible outcome, and if this is the outcome, then this is the possible outcome, and this is the possible outcome, this is the possible outcome, and I'm just analyzing this web of things that might happen as the result of, of a decision, and it adds uh, stress and struggle and strain, right? How many of you have been in that place? You know what it's like to just hardly be able to put your head on the bed at night because you're just processing. You just don't fall asleep easily. Uh, one of the times in my life when I was like that um, was uh, when we were sort of between things in our journey. We were trying to figure out what to do. We had a job offer for church in Toronto. We were back from school uh, in the States living in uh, Fifth Wheel. This isn't the actual uh, Fifth wheel in the actual house, just a picture of a fifth wheel and a house, but living in a fifth wheel uh, in my parents' driveway, right, as a young married couple, which you know as a young married couple is a super fun place to live, um, and, and, right, and we're living there, and I'm working night shift in a funeral home, some of you maybe know this story, right, like I'm working the, the, literally the dead shift in a funeral home, doing renovations, and uh, uh, Anna's working during the day. We, we're hardly seeing each other, and we're trying to process, are we going to take this job that we have in Toronto or not take it? And I really couldn't figure it out. Like, I was really wrestling in Indecision City. And I just, I just remember how painful that was for me and how painful that was for Anna. She was like, if she's committed, she would never actually do this. I'm 100% sure, maybe. Uh, but she was like, you got to make the call here, or I'm out. <laughs> you know, because I was just locked up. We were going over to friend's house every night uh, and talking it through and they were like you got to stop or we're out you know because I was just in this huge churn of trying to figure out what to do and it was a disaster right and so what we're really longing for with all of that time of, of computation and trying to figure out the answers this way that way we really want this sort of clear sense of direction to come to us don't we we really want a clear sense of yes this is what cuts through all of the chaos, the confusion, and all of my computations, and all of my doubts, all of my wrestling. The question really is, though, is how do we get there? How do we get to that place where the path seems clear? And I think the Bible has a lot to offer to us. Uh, in Christian thinking, there's kind of a spectrum around, around that, right? There's, uh, there's sort of two ways in, in which we we sort of go, there's sort of two extremes in that process of trying to make decisions. Uh, and one of them is, is just simply hearing the voice of God, right? How many of you have been in that place where you're like, I think it would be great if God just told me. And, and then I wouldn't have to stress about this anymore. How many of you have done that kind of prayer and fasting and God arm twisting and all of that? And sometimes God comes through in an authentic way and, and does that for us. I've 
repeatedly asked God to just send me a text with my instructions. And, uh, and he, he never seems to do that, right? Uh, sometimes it's a voice in the heart or whatever. Um, but that's, that's, of course, the first piece of it is, is hearing the voice of God. Um, and just, just some scripture around that. And I, I love this in Isaiah, looking forward to the time of the coming of the Holy Spirit and Jesus bringing of the Spirit to us. And this is Isaiah prophesying this. says, Your teacher will not hide himself anymore. Your ears shall hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Isn't that a nice way to live? How many of you have experienced that with perfection in your life all the time? Okay, just just checking. Um, I have experienced moments of it, but it has not been a full experience for me all the time. Um, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, John chapter 10, 27. And so that's that's a piece of how we navigate, right? As God does speak to his people, we do have the Holy Spirit. He does teach us. But very often, if you're making decisions and you're trying to figure it out, uh, it's not as clear as God sending you a note. Uh, Before there was text, I used to ask him to send me a fax. Um, and, uh, and, and it, it just doesn't always work that way. How do you wrestle it down? And, and secondarily, there's, there's some problems that come with that, right? With uh, if our only way of hearing from God or if our only way of making decisions is being that person who just can say with authority and confidence, well, Jesus told me to do that all the time, there can be some problems with that too. As a pastor, people sometimes like to pull rank on you, Right? I really don't think this is a wise choice for you to get into this relationship and, and move in this way. I'm not really sure this is the right thing for you. Well, Jesus said I'm supposed to. And I'm like, okay, you, uh, can, 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 can you pull rank like that? You know, like you can't, you can't have a discussion. So there's some issues there. There's some problems with that on one. How do you know it's the voice of God speaking, Right. Uh, even if you look at what it says in, in 1 Corinthians about prophecy, as we see in part, we, we know in part, right? We, we only get a piece of the picture. How do you know it's God? Uh, sometimes it's subjective and feeling-driven. Like when I'm wrestling with uh, what's, you know, when I was wrestling with, should I marry Anna? And if I was just going with what I felt like was the inner voice of God in, in me without doing more of a broad evaluation process when I was, you know, 19 years old, I would have just heard, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? That would have been the voice of God, right? Because that's, that's what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to marry this girl. Thankfully, it worked out okay. It's great because God, uh, God uh, did manage to speak and show me a bigger picture and, and all of that. And I could see our future and, and all kinds of great things there. God, God brought that process forward. But uh, it can be pretty subjective. It can be isolating and unaccountable. Right, uh, people who are who are uh, people who are just claiming to hear God answering uh, everything for them exactly. I've seen people like that who just are sometimes just not making good decisions or wise or godly decisions. Uh, it can lead to a sense of spiritual elitism sometimes. Uh, it can mask our selfish ambition. Sometimes I've had a temptation uh, when I'm not actually hearing the word of the Lord to just say, "I feel like God led me that way." And it shuts down conversation, makes it nice and convenient. I pull the God card, you have to shut up, and I can do whatever I want without telling you, hearing what you think about my decision, right? It can isolate me. It can be used to manipulate people in, in its most extreme and ugly form. Um, and it can be uh, used to shut down relationship. 
right? So uh, if, if just simply hearing the voice of God, uh, him giving you orders and giving you directions is the whole of your spiritual discernment, there's a, there's a risk and a danger there. And I'm going to show you this in the scriptures because right now it sounds like I'm against the voice of God or something like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. I really do believe God speaks to his children, but I think there's a big, big picture in terms of how we discern, how we make decisions. Uh, the second thing that we, we look at on the other extreme, which can happen one without the other, and it shouldn't be that way, right? We're going to see that we want both, is just listening to external voices and data, right? There's lots in the scriptures about uh, how we uh, pay attention to the word and how we pay attention to other people. Proverbs 11:14, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there's victory. And there's just tons of stuff in Proverbs around that, that, that it's important for us to have the voices of community speaking around and into our lives. Uh, Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, right? So there's a call to pay attention to the written word of God, to have uh, the, the Bible at the center of our decision-making processes, right? Um, we, it's one of the things that we say when we're teaching people how to hear the voice of God or to, to do prophecy is that part of how you evaluate a prophetic word is, is it consistent with the scriptures, right? If, if, if you are hearing a voice in your head telling you to do something and you don't see that thing as something that's clearly supported by the scriptures, then you can trust that that's not the voice of God speaking to you, right? Because God has already spoken with authority and passion and power through his word. And through the written word of God keeps us safe uh, when we're wrestling through all of that subjective stuff. Um, looking at Titus, I love this. Urge the young men, I don't know what's wrong with the women, but they're already sensible. Uh, urge the young men to be sensible, yeah, in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine dignified and sound in speech. And we see this in a number of places in the New Testament when Paul is coaching Timothy or Titus when he's actually calling them to a theological soundness, to sound doctrine. It's worth thinking through the big thoughts that Christian leaders have thought over the history of the church and allowing uh, the length and breadth and depth of these phenomenal minds who have grappled with the big questions about God and who he is and what he's saying to the world, uh, and to, to wrestle with those minds uh, to hear uh, from what, what, are, what is a sound theological doctrinal foundation, and then to show yourself to be a person of good deeds based out of some things that have been said for a long time, like who am I? to hear God call me to do something that doesn't fit with what uh, Aquinas said, or Ignatius. Like I gotta wrestle with these incredible minds who uh, walked with Jesus in a powerful way. So solid theology is important. Uh, in Acts 17, according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And it says elsewhere, uh, well, actually I'll get to that in a, in a second in Acts 17, uh, 11. But uh, according to Paul's custom, he went there and reasoned with them. So he looked at the scriptures and they, and they, they applied the scriptures and wrestled with them logically. Uh, he would have been somebody who was trained in debate and trained in, in oration and trained 
trained to uh, look at the scriptures, look at uh, everything that's written there in a way that is like kind of critical and kind of thoughtful and, and kind of, does this make uh, logical sense? Is this consistent with what we see in the Hebrew scriptures? Does this make sense to you? Uh, so there's something about rationality that's an important part of what we have, a tool in decision making. And says so this, and now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So they are looking, and this is just a note to us, those of us who want to just abandon the Old Testament and say that the Old Testament is the Old Testament, is the Old Covenant, uh, we don't have anything to do with it, why even read it? Well, the Old Covenant is how uh, the Bereans, these noble people, uh, evaluated whether Paul had anything good to say or not. So we don't want to throw that book out, do we? We don't want to throw out Genesis uh, through the minor prophets, right? There's something valuable there. There's something about understanding the whole counsel of God, all of the scriptures, and, and being people who are diligent, uh, being people who are workmen, approved, uh, correctly dividing the word of truth. There's a, there's a call to love the scriptures with a sense of laboring over them and working over them and studying them and digging into them, right? And so often I hear uh, people just making decisions, like, I felt like the Lord told me to. And I'm like, did you read the Bible in there anywhere, right? And so there's just a call uh, to the scriptures. And then, of course, there's just simple knowledge. Uh, Hosea 4, 6, and I love this, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, right? Sometimes we just need to find information, and that's a part of what God gives us to discern. So we are in trouble if we're just on one side or, or the other. If we're just, I'm just going to go through life and I'm just going to hear God speak to me, but I'm not going to think about what my community says. I'm not going to think about what the scripture says. I'm not going to think about what good theology says. I'm not going to think about any of this stuff. I'm just going to make up my own mind and just sort of hear what I hear, the, the voice in my head and go on that. We're missing uh, something that we're supposed to have. Um, so uh, wisdom, it, true wisdom, is really a both and. I want to read this uh, quote for you from T. Long. It says this, Discernment is starved if we rely only on the wisdom of godly counselors who listen for us and give us direction. Well, this practice is totally biblical, helpful, and often vital. It is not rent, meant to replace our own growth and maturity in learning to hear from God and his word in our own hearts and for ourselves, right? So there's the call to learn to hear the heart of God for ourselves. But it says this, conversely, we can fall into error by thinking we are totally self-sufficient in our listening, and we do not need the valuable input and guidance from our mature brothers and sisters. We grow in discernment when we begin to balance the seesaw. But the first step is often the hardest. We must learn to recognize the imbalance in the first place. Right? There's a call to hold these things in tension. Uh, what does the community say? What is the voice of God whispering to us in our hearts? Uh, it, what's the voice of Scripture saying to us? What's sound theology saying to us? What's the voice of reason and practicality saying to us? And what's the voice of knowledge? 
saying to us. And what we're really looking for as people, if we want to make great decisions, is not to say, okay, well, I hear the voice of God and it doesn't really line up with any kind of sense whatsoever. And it's going to lead me down a path that looks possibly quite destructive. And uh, all the people who love me don't think it's a good idea, but I hear the voice of God. I, th I think that's what I want to do anyway. So that fits with my own desires. So let's go that way. But we don't want to be people who are like, okay, in a constant computational state that is saying, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do the research, I got to figure it out, without going and to consult uh, the presence and person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us, right? So we need all of these things uh, working together. Making decisions uh, is great when all of those things are in alignment, right? We want all those things working together. I'm going to tell you two stories, uh, just, just as examples. One is just a really a macro story. Part of what Anna and I used to do and be uh, a little bit earlier in our journey at OVV is we were assigned to be national directors for Vineyard Canada. And we had to uh, wrestle with some really big issues uh, as a movement. Uh, we had lots of questions coming at us about uh, the LGBTQ thing and what's our posture around that? How do we uh, deal with, uh, with, with people who are, who are wrestling with those kinds of things? And one of the things that we had to do was to come to a place of finding out what the scriptures said, finding out what our own hearts said. Uh, and as we were wrestling and as we were sitting around the table talking with people, uh, this voice sort of kept speaking around the table and saying, you have to become a community of mutual discernment. Their whole thing, the whole focus of how we decide how we're going to handle this issue was around uh, the question of let's just decide together and come to consensus together and figure it out. And there wasn't a sense of uh, let's consult uh, other people in the community. It wasn't a sense of let's consult the international vineyard community. Uh, let's consult uh, the, the scriptures. It was just like, like what, is, what do we feel like we're supposed to do? And there was something in me that was just, uh, just rising up and just frustrated with that. Uh, it's like there's, there's not an outside standard to guide us here. If we just decide uh, that we're going to do this, we're just, like, we're just like captains of ships sailing across a sea. And we, we, we were just like yelling from one ship to the next. Like imagine this, the Pinta, the Nina, and the Santa Maria going across the ocean. If their way of navigating is, hey, which way do we go? I don't know. Which way do you want to go? I don't know. Let's go that way. Why don't we go that way? The wind's kind of blowing over there. I don't know, but the sun's shining over there. Uh, how do you make a decision like that? How do you navigate across an ocean like that? Well, how ships navigate across an ocean is that they have uh, these tools by which they spot fixed points in space by which to navigate. And I'm like, we've got to find those fixed points by which to navigate. And so in my own heart, my own mind, I felt like a resolution came quite, quite easily when, when I began to see it like that, because I could see two really clear things in the scriptures. I could see one, uh, that God, God, I can't dismiss the scriptures that say that there's something to be wrestled with in terms of calling sin, sin in this area. That there's something of brokenness in it. There's something that, that I have to acknowledge. I can't write off what the scriptures say about that. But I can neither, can I dismiss this thing in the scriptures that say we have to absolutely love uh, people in their brokenness. And we have to be committed to them. We have to be in relationship and with them. We care with them. And so I can't be as a person, somebody who is, who is torn over here or torn over here. I have to be a person who sees those things in alignment if they're both the word of God. I have to see this thing as sin and I have to passionately love them and be passionately committed with all my heart 
deep in relationship and caring, right? And that seems like the Jesus way, right? To, to, uh, to take these things that seem like their intention and, and see them in the scriptures if they're both there clearly in alignment and to be able to pursue a path of integrity that follows that. And the second thing, like more personally, um, and if any of you have any, that's, that is a hot button issue. If any of you have more questions or wrestlings around that, I would love to, to talk with you about it. That I know it's a totally a hot button issue. If that's triggered anybody or got anybody wrestling, please, please come have a conversation. Um, so I'm just going to blast past it beyond that. Um, but uh, the, the other you know, the other thing is like personally, like personal decisions, how do we make choices uh, to go one way or another or do a thing or another? I'm just going to tell the story of Anna and my journey to plant Ottawa Valley Vineyard. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was we, it started in Ottawa and it went to uh, northern Saskatchewan and New York and Toronto and New Brunswick and back. Uh, so when Anna and I were, uh, were, were young, we, we were called to ministry, we were going through school, we were trying to figure out what to do. One of the big questions in our hearts uh, all the way along was, uh, is it time to plant a church in Carlton Place? Uh, this church community that you're sitting in and part of right now is something that's been in our hearts uh, since, what do you think, we were 21 maybe? Maybe even before we were married, right? There's something that's in our hearts to come and plant this church. Um, and I, you know, I was a student in this high school. You can see my graduation picture on the wall. And I actually, yeah, I actually led an interschool Christian fellowship group in the cafeteria of Carlton Place High School when I was 17 years old. So you, this is the second church I've pastored at CPHS. Um, but, uh, you know, part of the, uh, um, the, the wrestling was, is it time? Like, does it work for us to do this here and now? And so we went off, we went to school. Went off and did an internship in northern Saskatchewan. Uh, came back from that wonderful time with the Cree people in the north. Uh, uh, lots of pain and struggle and, and journey there. And come back to Ottawa. And we're like, is now the time to just plant a church in Carlton Place? And the wise, loving counsel of another pastor in the area who loved us, Ken Hall, said, maybe it's time to come and be my youth pastor and learn a couple things. <laughs> right? Uh, wise counsel from a leader that I knew and that I trusted. And so uh, after we've been uh, doing that for a little while, we've been youth pastor, this question surfaces again in our hearts. Is it time to plant this church in Carlton Place? Should we go out from West Ottawa Christian Community and plant this, uh, plant the, plant this church that's in our hearts? And again, just a little wise wise counsel from people saying, you might need to learn a little bit more about the Bible. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, I have an unfinished degree in theology that I should maybe work on. And I need to be grounded a little bit. And so it's like, okay, let's go to New York and let's finish up the degree and, and study. And we finished up that degree. It was like, uh, okay, come back and live in my parents' RV in the driveway for a while with a job offer for an awesome church in Toronto saying, do we go to this church in Toronto? Or do we go uh, to uh, plant a church in Carlton Place finally? And you just hear the voice of my wife and others saying, you know, it's, I think you just got to suck it up and take this opportunity, even though it's going to be hard, even though it's going to be a challenge, even though you don't really want to go to Toronto. And boy, I went to Toronto and I had the opportunity to learn what it's like to be part of a big church. I had the opportunity to learn about administration. I got to be part of a church with over a $10 million budget and, uh, and a staff of 100 
125 and I got to hang out with the HR people and the media people and the web people and got to see so much that was just incredibly valuable to us as a church planter that I would not have gotten if I'd paused and waited. And when I got back from that time in Toronto, we went out to New Brunswick, we were wrestling with what to do, we were a little burnt out and tired and thinking, man, should we maybe go back and plant that church in Carlton Place? And the voice of wise counsel around us uh, kind of said, you know what, you're really tired, you're really burnt out, this is not a good time for you to plant a church. And I'm thinking at this point, should I join the military? Like, like we were thinking about all the options, right? And a wise friend said, hey, there's this school out of New Brunswick where you could rest and heal and you could do a master's out there. And so we trucked off to New Brunswick to go deeper in the scriptures. And out there, uh, we gained a, a deepening and, and a maturing. And, and uh, uh, a lot of the DNA that is a part of OVV comes from our time uh, out there working on that degree and, and working in a vineyard church out there and really getting connected with vineyard resources. So we got connections with our vineyard family in that space that we could have never had if we planted the church independently all by ourselves in Carlton Place. And then after we were in New Brunswick, and we'd been there for about four years, and me being the personality type I am, a little bit direct, I'd be a disc D or an Enneagram 8, uh, somebody who's always wanted to get things done, uh, pushing the president of the university for more and more responsibility to do this and this, and he sort of quietly pulls me into his office, and he says, hey, listen, either I'm going to mentor you to be the next president of this university or you're going to go plant a church. What do you want to do? And I thought, this is the nicest way I've ever been fired in my whole life. <laughs> and, and we were out of there. And I practically did, I did the happy dance all the way home because I knew it was finally time to plant the church in Carlton Place. It was a thing that I wanted to do, a thing that I heard the voice of the Lord calling us to do. But time and time again, I had to hear uh, the wisdom of godly counselors, uh, the wisdom of the scripture, and, and so much more to, uh, to help uh, deepen and mature and strengthen me. And uh, there's more. And you know what? That's, I'm halfway through the content and we're at noon. So I got a second sermon out of this. <laughs> Let's stand up and pray. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Lord, I love this community. I love these beautiful people. In a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll dig into this some more, God, but we want to be people who make godly decisions. We want to be people who make decisions not in isolation, not by ourselves, uh, not in our brokenness, not just driven by our own desires, not in the confusion of subjectivity, Lord. Uh, we want to hear your voice and to hear your voice speaking through our community that loves us. We want to be grounded theologically. We want to be grounded biblically. We want to be safe. We want to be people who make great choices. So would you help us with that, Lord? Help us be people who make great choices. Cause us to love your word and be passionate about it, uh, to be passionate to study, passionate to grow, passionate for knowledge, and passionate for the spiritual disciplines that allow us to hear your voice speaking. Bless these beautiful people. Bless this beautiful community. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.